Welcome back to another edition of This Week in College Football, brought to you by CFB Talk Daily. Today is Friday, January 29th. Uh, it's been quite a long time since we've talked. We'll get into that in a little bit. Uh, but we do have some good stuff coming up today. Uh, we're coming back with an interview. We had to get something in there today. We knew we had to get an interview back. Uh, so we got Trey, uh, Trill Williams, uh, Syracuse projected to be a nice NFL pick coming out this year. Uh, definitely an interesting interview. We're going to want to stick around for that. And then we're going to you know, start talking about some topics that have been happening recently. We're going to keep the old news to the old news. Uh, so... Uh, when you think about Power 5 programs, just got a head coach. One of the ones that are going to jump out right away because it just happened is Tennessee. So let's start with John. What do you got for me, John? All right. Well, they, they hired Josh Heupel. Uh, I don't think it's a bad hire, but they just hired a new athletic director who was also UCF's athletic director. And uh, they paid, I think, millions of hours to conduct a search. And the guy gets the guy he worked with a few weeks ago. Like, uh, I don't know how I feel about that. I, it's, I think it's going to be a good hire in the end. But I just feel that maybe they didn't go through the whole process, and that might hurt them in the end. Because you could have gotten potentially better options. I saw Clemson offensive coordinator, I think Tony Elliott, gave serious consideration before turning the job down. So maybe that was their first option, and then Heupel was a backup. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm looking at this, and I'm just praying to God that it's not another Scott Frost situation that's going to happen here. Because mm. what we're seeing at Nebraska with Scott Frost, the former, obviously, UCF coach, um, they're not nearly what they were expecting to be when he took over the job there. So overall, I mean, it, it could be a good hire. There's still a lot of question marks with UCF coaches going transitioning into Power Five conferences after the Scott Frost. Um, so I'm interested to see what's going to happen here. Obviously, Tennessee's in a, a lot of stuff right now. Uh, they like their McDonald's, I could say. Nah. So uh, we'll see. A lot of question marks, though. You know, Lind, I heard they were giving out uh, GameStop stock in McDonald's bags. Hey, I mean, they can't sell that now, so or you can't yeah, buy it anymore, so that's exclusive. GameStop stock and Dogecoin was in the McDonald's bags. Doge to the but, moon, uh, baby. So I just wanted to make like, a quick point, only because you brought up Frost, because I do agree with what you were saying. I think it's kind of like a weird concept with Frost, though, because when you look at UCF, so he got his first season there was in uh, 16, and they were 6-7, and seven, went to a bowl. In 2015, they were winless. So that was, you know, that was a bad program. But I don't know that even because in 2015, I guess two years before that, they were undefeated. So I mean, they they weren't like a good enough. They were a good team and then a bad team and then they went back to being a bad team. So I mean, you saw how Frost can you know turn a program six and seven to thirteen and zero. You know, two years, really really good time at UCF, and now he's in Nebraska. So he has to do it again. So. Like, is it a problem with doing it in the Big Ten, or is it now a problem with, you know, it's it's easier to win with, you know, lower level four stars at UCF and some fives, higher threes than it is to win in, you know, against Michigan. So, it, you know, now you're gonna have to see is with Josh Heupel, is he you know, piggybacking off of success at UCF with Scott Frost's guys, or was he able to win his own guys? Because if you look, I, you know. The first year they were twelve and one, all Scott Frost guys. Second year ten and three, probably majority Frost guys. This year six and four. This would have been the first year when it was a lot of his guys. Now, granted, there were a lot of things with this year. It wasn't a normal year, but was that a him thing or was it the season? So I think there's a lot of unanswered questions when it comes to him. 
we're going to go from one program that you know was you know a lot of people don't really talk about as being a blue blood, a blue blood, and we're going to talk about you know Texas, where you know that's everyone talks about Texas when they think about college football. Yeah, I mean Texas has been the cream of the crop. Like when you go to Texas, and you get that offer. It's it's some sort of rejuvenation in you. It's kind of like that little hope that you get there. Um, because Texas is such a storied program that everyone, when they see that Texas Longhorn offer, even though there's a lot of shade being thrown at Texas and the horns down stuff, whatnot, that's still a premier top five program, in my opinion. Uh, I wouldn't say an on-the-field performance, but I would say uh, that Texas, facilities-wise, you have, you have those resources in the Power Five, probably. You know, you have... Uh, Next to Alabama, I'd say most resources is Texas. Yeah, you have unlimited money, but you have you have big expectations, big expectations at uh, Texas. But uh, we're talking about the staff they put together at Texas, right? Yes. Yeah, well, we can talk uh, about the whole staff. So we'll start with Sark. You know, what do you guys think about Sarkisian uh, We'll start with the, we'll start at the top. Uh, I think it was it was kind of shocking to me because uh, I mean I know that he was supposed to be the uh, he was the coach in waiting for. Um, Alabama for Nick Saban. Uh, that's I what mean, the report was. And then a few days later, he's hired away. So, I mean, to be hired away like that, that's it's pretty impressive for uh, I mean, if Texas Sark- to prime away. If Sarkeesian was the coach in waiting, what was Lane Kiffin? There have been plenty of assistants and OCs and DCs at Alabama that have left for other head coaching jobs, even though they were deemed the coach in waiting after Saban. Point. So... Just because he could be the coach in waiting doesn't mean anything, really, because in my opinion, at least, Alabama's getting picked and pulled all their coaches at every season because they're such an elite program. So, um, I don't know. I never really thought there was a coach in waiting in Alabama, but I think – let me think. I mean, Sarkeesian is a good hire. What he's done with Mac Jones is phenomenal. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but the weapons that Alabama gets, it's just like the Tua situation transitioning to the NFL. I'm going to bring up Tua right now because everyone thought it was tank for Tua, tank for Tua. He was the next greatest thing. But you got to remember what he was surrounded by. He was surrounded by, he was being protected by three first round picks on the offensive line. Mm-hmm. At one point, he had Irv Smith Jr., a first round tight end. Mm-hmm. He had Jerry Judy, first round wide receiver. Henry Ruggs, first round wide receiver. And then Jalen Waddell and Devontae Smith, who will go in the first round this year. And then Najee Harris is a first, second round pick. So he had a lot of weapons. Same with like Sarkeesian calling that offense. Anyone can call that offense with that many weapons. So it's still going to be interesting to see what they do. Um, I'm okay with the hire. I like the, the hire. It's going to be, don't expect the world to be coming down right now. Just let it happen. Uh, I, I kind right, of want to throw I, I this out there. I'll, I'll let right. you go because I'm, I'm going to kind of venture off a little bit. All right. So I just want to say that I think that the interesting thing about this hire is most Saban assistants stay in the SEC. So Texas is smart because normally they're good coaches, Saban assistants, but they just can't beat Nick Saban. Texas, you don't have to beat him until the big game. So I think it's a pretty good uh, – I, I think it was a smart hire. I mean, you get him out of the SEC, so you're not going to see Saban much, maybe ever. So uh, that's a good hire. I like it. So I kind of wanted, because you just talked about it with Saban and, and his coaches. 
where I, everyone talks about, you know, you go into the Nick Saban rehab of, of coaches. You know, so you go coach for Saban a few years and you get another job. And, Shout out Bill O'Brien. But if you really think about it, how many of those coaches turn out to be outside of Kirby Smart and, and Jimbo Fisher, really, turn out to be, like, top-tier, gotta-have coaches? I mean, I'm looking at his coaching shoe right now, and a lot of it— I mean, Mark D'Antonio, good coach, but you got a lot of— you know, Will Muschamp wasn't really great at, 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 at uh, South Carolina. I mean, Derek Dudley fired at Tennessee a few years ago. Jim McElwain is now at— well, one of the Michigan. Yeah, he's good though. He's good there. See, at Central Michigan, uh, they're good. Yeah, he, he's thought... he's restoring his. He's he's good there. I think that a but, lot of them aren't SEC. Mid- I think Jeremy Pruitt fired, never yeah. performed, and and Mike Loxley. I mean, before he went to Alabama, when he was at New Mexico, he was a poor coach, two and twenty six in three years, and it's yeah. been a lot of the same at Maryland. So. Yeah, but, I, I'm, yeah, I'm waiting to see look a at, coach get hired out of his system and not immediately, but within you know three or four years, be you know another Kirby Smart, or you know if Lane Kiffin was to leave, like when, I mean not leave when he like if he takes um, Ole Miss to you know a top five, then we'll be able to see all right. So you know, his rehab program, quote unquote, is working. But as of right now, I think he not, just does a lot of I, good jobs of putting you in good positions to go back to be a head coach, yeah, which is that, that's, which is different from being a good head coach. That that's what it is though, because like I think you're looking at it a little wrong, right? He takes anyone basically. Like I mean, look at the people he's gotten head head coaching jobs again. Butch Jones it got him from offensive analyst to head coach in one season. Like you got to look, it's deeper than just the coordinators. Like he gets people. Just into the program and they become head coaches again. And, and no, no, they, I they may not be that. the best, but I'm just saying, like Kyle Flood, look, he went from fired at Rutgers for you know whatever bullshit reason Rutgers gave for firing him, and then Which I he's with that. It was a bullshit. He, he, I, I I wanted Flood. I like Flood. Yeah, so did I. But uh, a good offensive line coach. Now you're an offensive coordinator at a top top ten program in the country. So now you have a chance to become a head coach. He does he does a good job at getting you out of the bad place you're in. I feel like he gives you the tools yeah, you need. I and agree then, with that. Yeah, that, that's what you're kind of saying. He gives you the tools you need to work with. And then what happens from there is kind of mixed results. We haven't seen like the big uh, – we haven't seen a star come out of his coaching tree yet. Well, outside of, like I said, outside of Kirby Smart and Jimbo Fisher and, and, and Mark D'Antonio. D'Antonio wasn't like you – know, He's good. He's good. They were good. He was a good head coach. But, you know, Jimbo and, and Kirby are obviously, you know, the top two yeah, on that yeah, list. Yeah. But there's yeah. a lot. There's a lot of names that are, you know, still either yet to be proven, which isn't their fault though, or they were unproven, went to Bama and still unproven. So I think there's a lot of concept. There's like two kind oh, of wait, ideas no, 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 with hold. this. Wait, Mary Cristobal. Steve coach. Oh, yeah. Offensive oh, yeah, line coach. All right. So yeah. So there's been a there's been a few. Well, going back to Texas, I just want to say. Be, even with Sarkeesian there and Kyle Flood there, like, yeah, those are pretty good hires. They're not going to get off to such a hot start. They're going to replace their quarterback at Sam Ellinger. So there's a lot of question marks still in that offense that Flood and Sarkeesian are going to have to figure out on their own. So, I mean, sorry to go jump in on you guys, but, I mean, there's a lot of question marks still here. I, I do think the the flood hiring for him was a really good really good hire because if you the flood's been a lot of places and he's been like and I not to bring up Rutgers because I always bring up Rutgers but 
you know, for as much as Shiano was a really good coach on those really early teams, those were Kyle Flood's guys. He was he was the recruiter for them. He recruited those guys. He was the offensive coach on those guys. So you're you know you're playing in the best offensive conference in the country. Uh, I mean, me and John have heard things about Flood, you know, because we talk about we talk to Kyle all the time. We talk to people who talk to Kyle, and they say you know when it comes to access, yeah, the players, yeah, there's not much better than when it gets to Kyle Flood. So that hire for him, I think, is, you know, for Sark to bring him to Texas is a really good move because you're going to have to have a, you're going to have to have an offense to play in the Big 12. And to start with, you know, already you have a good recruiter and a good offensive coach, that's a big step in the right direction for him. So that's smart. Um, yeah, so my last thought on this was, also, since Rutgers, he's became a very good recruiter. I mean, look, they won offensive line, best offensive line in the country. He coached the offensive line. And they had four, I believe, five-star offensive lineman commits that he was the lead recruiter on. So he could definitely get kids on campus. And it's not very hard to get first kids round draft pick. He had Anthony Davis. Yeah. Well, I'm saying at Alabama. I mean, not— Oh, I was saying— you know, he, also had a, he also had a few at Alabama. But um, anyway— uh, the, the other thing I'll say, Sarkeesian himself, I mean, that offense scored points, and it was not just because of who they had. I mean, like, he's the first person in a very long time to get a receiver to win a Heisman. So before we get into the interview with Trill Williams, uh, we do want to talk about, uh, obviously, we have not posted uh, a podcast in quite a while. Uh, there were a lot of things going on. Um, I think the last time we recorded and let one out was in May. At that point, we didn't know what kind of season we were going to have, if a season at all. Since then, uh, both John and I have uh, both came down with COVID-19. Luckily, we both uh, recovered um, very quick, never had any you know, real problems. But you know, we had a lot of other things going on. Work situations changed. Um, you know, so as much as we do love doing this, you know, there's a time where like, you know, we have to do like our real life jobs where, you know, we have to make money other ways. And so we kind of thought that, you know, maybe sitting out this year would have been the right idea uh, because it was such a strange season. I mean, we could have talked for hours every week on what was going on. And it was games getting canceled, the whole Ohio state debacle, but we, we wanted to definitely address that um, before we ended this episode. But so we are going to jump into the Trill Williams uh, interview. Um, but so now we're going to jump into that interview. Trill Williams, Syracuse. We'll catch you on the other side.
uh, we're here with Syracuse safety uh, defensive back Trill Williams. Uh, Trill, welcome on to the show. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thank you for coming on. Um, so I, I wanted to talk way back to your high school days because uh, you were forced in high school. You know, Sports Center top ten. Um, you originally committed to Rutgers, and uh, a big Rutgers guy. And uh, I was just doing my research before you came on, right? And um, I looked back to a Reddit thread from four years ago that I commented on when you when you committed to Rutgers, and I said, <laughs> "Suffered an injury. Glad we stuck to our offer and got him to commit. Hope he recovers quickly. Kid's gonna be a stud." And uh, you know, you didn't do it at Rutgers, but I feel like that's pretty accurate. Yeah, I, I say it's pretty accurate. Yeah, it's just crazy. I, I was, I mean, I was a senior in high school when I wrote that, so I was I couldn't believe that. Um, so getting on to Syracuse now, uh, what do you think? What was your favorite moments from Syracuse? You think? Um, I say my my favorite moment is when my freshman year, it was I think my first game in the dome, and I was on punt return, mm-hmm. and it was a punt block, and one of our receivers that was on the punt, punt, uh, the punt team had blocked the ball, and I caught it, and I scored my first college touchdown, so that was pretty cool. Yeah, that's got to be special. Your first college touchdown in the dome. It's loud in there. Well, when fans are loud in there, it's loud. Yes. I couldn't even hear myself thinking there uh, the first time I was in there. Yeah, it's it's special. Now, it doesn't it doesn't have air conditioning, right? I mean, I think I've heard that before. The um, dome? No, it doesn't. It doesn't. Yeah, yeah. It's sponsored by an air conditioning company, but they don't give I you think, air conditioning. I think um since they just redid it that they uh, put one in there. Yeah, it never made sense to me. Was, you know, made <laughs> by an air conditioning company. It does not have it though. <laughs> um yeah, that's gotta be crazy though. First uh college touchdown. I'm shocked you didn't say the eighty uh that was a ninety five yard fumble uh I mean, Kind of call it a fumble. It was more I don't of a know. robbery. It felt, it felt like a hundred yards. <laughs> yeah, it, it was more of a robbery than a fumble recovery. It feels wrong calling it that. You ripped it out. Yeah. Um, the only reason, only reason why I didn't, I didn't pick that one is because I feel like that's normal for me. Like that's just a regular play that I've been making since I was ten years old, and I actually have the, I actually have a clip from when I was ten, me doing the exact same thing. Really? Yeah. Yeah, that's just crazy. Um, another thing I want to talk about. Uh, with Syracuse is that. So Dino Babers was a defensive back. How much did he help you grow as a player at your time at Syracuse? Um, he helped me grow a lot as, you know, he helped me grow with my character, you know, as a, as a man, you know, going away from home and not being around, you know, my, my dad and, and, you know, other figures that I, I looked up to back at home and mm-hmm. just going to Syracuse was, was pretty cool. Cause he stepped in and took that role. Like he didn't, he didn't try to be, you know, like, my dad, he he was more of a he called himself like a, a grandpa. So he was he's really wise. So everybody listens to what he has to say. Yeah, I mean he's, he's a great coach. I, I love Dino Babers. I mean he's he seems like the wise guy in his interviews. He seems real intelligent and uh, he's very respectful too. Yeah, don't let him fool you though. He, he he's a comedian. Yeah. Yeah, he's pretty funny. You got any funny Dino Babers stories? But he um. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to think. There's a lot. There's a lot, but uh, I don't know. <laughs> I, don't think, I don't think he. I don't think he will. Well, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, it's, locker room stuff and stuff he's in practice. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um. All right. So you played in the ACC. So I want to talk about uh, who do you think the hardest receiver, or I guess any position that you had to cover was, you know, 
uh, someone you went up against? Um, I say the hardest receiver I went up against was back. I go back to my freshman year. We played Clemson, and I had to guard uh, Hunter uh, Winfro. And mm-hmm. he was at that time he was already established as one of the the best slot receivers in college football. And they had just came off the they had just had that good season coming in, and he was one of their their go to guys. And for me to you know to have the game I had against him and was able to hold him to zero catches on me was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean now look where he's at and. And that's got to be tough as a freshman. It's got to be crazy looking back at it, too, seeing now he's in the NFL and you know, your freshman year, this is what you're going up against, locking him up. Yeah, because, like, watching his highlights, he was making a lot of people look silly, you know. And yeah. I, didn't want that to, I didn't want that to be me, so I watched a lot of film on him and, and yeah. really really tried to um, dissect his game and what he's good at and what he's not good at. And, you know, I was able to, to uh, jam him at the line and get hands on him. And from watching film when, like I said, back to the freshman year, I thought he wasn't a. I thought he wasn't good off the press, so I tried to make that an emphasis going into that game, and it worked out perfectly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, not many people made you look silly uh, when you were at Syracuse. I mean, uh, your sophomore year, you were the most targeted player without allowing a touchdown pass. So that's a, uh, that's crazy. You know, people were throwing at you for no reason. Yeah, it's just always been like that since since I was in high school. Nobody really would throw at me, so I'd just be out there and looking at picking picking flowers and looking at the sky and stuff yeah yeah uh yeah it's funny you say that because uh this is kind of off topic but i think there's a kid at liberty and he, he's pretty good i forgot his name but uh, he put a highlight reel together of him stealing receivers towels because no one was throwing at him and so he was just out there by himself and he was just ripping their towels off their pants just, just uh, I, I never i never got into that like it's just I just, yeah, just always, I always, I always respect the guy on the other side, you know. So I, yeah, I, yeah. I, really, I might, I might talk trash, you know. I might do that, but I ain't gonna go to the extent. Still, you're a big trash talker. Did I again? So you're a big trash talker, or not really? It it depends on 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 the team, you know. Like yeah, if yeah. I if I feel like I can get into the receiver's head and 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 take that game take the game away from him like that, then I guess I got to do it that way. Yeah, yeah. And I'm sure receivers love to talk too. They love talking. I feel like. See, you oh look, you you oh you won the fight when they don't say nothing back. Yeah, that's a good point. When they, when, when, when they got they you talking and they don't say nothing back, they're like they're thinking in their head like, oh like, I, I, like this guy serious like. So once once they don't say nothing, they don't give they don't give a response. They they thinking about you all game. Mm-hmm. That's 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 what I took from it. No, yeah, that, that, that is true. Because especially when it's uh, the fourth quarter and they got two catches for 20 yards, not much to say. Yeah, I get I, I get the, the trash talking from uh, from Jalen Ramsey. I always grew up watching him when I was in high school. And when he was at Florida State, I always watched his game and try to take some of his game and, and, and piece it into mine. So yeah. I can be a hybrid. I, co- I consider myself a hybrid corner and I could do a lot of things. I could be a corner and a safety at the same time, you know? Yeah, like the same thing as Jalen Ramsey. Yeah, yeah. Kind of. Yeah, he, he's the, he might be the most confident defensive back in the NFL, I'm not going to lie. Oh, yeah, He, sure. he loves to talk. Uh, he reminds me of, uh, you ever heard the Deion Sanders story about him and the Giants? So, um, he, uh, before, he was doing like, the combine, right, uh, when he was about to get drafted? Mm-hmm. And uh, the Giants had, I think, the fifth or sixth pick. 
and they wanted him to take a hundred page test. And he asked the Giants uh, what pick they had, and they said the sixth. And uh, he got up and walked out and said, "I'm not going to be there for six. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he his game speak for itself. So yeah, for sure. Um, all right, so I want to give you a chance here to you know Syracuse doesn't always get the national spotlight, so put us on to some of uh, the young guys on the defense. First off, they got um, a safety named Jahad Carter, and to, he's like watching him play and watching him practice and and watching him. He's my roommate, so watching him be around the house and and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. He's a spitting image of me. Is crazy. Like if he has a good season, the rest of the rest of the time he's there, shoot, I say he's better than me because. As a freshman, he, as a freshman coming into the season this year with the, all the circumstances that we've all been going through with the COVID and and all that stuff, and he came in, learned the plays, and and was out there balling. I, he, I think he made a freshman All American. I think he's one of the players that was on freshman All American, if I'm not mistaken. No, yeah, I think so. I think I read that. Cause yeah. The name, the name sounds familiar. Yeah, he he's a ball hog. He he gonna tackle. He's not afraid. He always wants to he always wants to learn more you know he always wants to add more to his game and and i respect that you know even as a even him as a freshman you know that's that's crazy to see and and if he keeps that same work work ethic uh he's gonna be great going forward mm-hmm. no for sure and uh I mean, i'm sure you're a good mentor to him being around all the time and just trying to help him be the best player he is especially i mean after you had an injury then i guess you kind of opted out but i mean you had a lot of time to be around him and help him prepare for his games Mm, yeah, like I said he he always wants to learn more, so he's not afraid to ask ask questions. Even when we're in the meeting room with well with the coaches, he, you know, a lot of freshmen are kind of nervous to to ask questions in front of the older guys, which I don't know why that's that's a thing, but not him. Like he was always first person to to ask a question when he didn't understand or he wanted to uh, if something didn't look right to him, he he wanted to know why. Yeah, and that's how you'd be great too, because I mean like. For, for him, you think you're sitting in a the meeting room with coaches, two NFL DBs with you and uh, Andre, soon to be NFL uh, defensive back. So you you're stupid not to ask the questions. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Right, so here's a question for you: How hard is it right now? Uh, preparing for, you know for like I, mean, I, I guess I, are you um training for the combine yet or not yet? Because yeah, I'm, uh, I'm I'm training I'm training right now down in uh, Atlanta, and. It's 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 pretty it's pretty tough. Like it's the workouts are are different, and like being in this ed, in environment is really different from, you know, training to go to college. It's it's the a next step. Like it's 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 hard it's hard to explain, but it's know, different. It's, it's, yeah, it's different. Like even even eating meals is different. Um, the time you put in to work out, you really got to dedicate your time. If this is what you want to do, you got to dedicate your time from six in the morning to about eight at night. So my workout plan, I, I get up at six o'clock, uh, I go work out. Um, after my workout, I, get, I got a little break, then I get worked on um, like massages and stuff. And, mm-hmm. and then I come back for another workout and, and then I eat then I could come back for another workout, so it's just more work. Hey, so you, you work out three times a day? Pretty, pretty much. If Damn. I can squeeze in, if I could squeeze in a fourth one, then I could I squeeze it in. 
you were an animal. Just four times a day is a lot. Yes, yeah, it's, it's crazy. Uh, I saw Devonte Adams may have stole your drip. <laughs> Listen, if, look, I got the receipts, man. Like, we can go. We can go back to. Uh, I think. I, I think I made those cleats in. In. Um, I think in the in the winter last year. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I made them a while ago, and I wasn't. I was. I was gonna wear them uh, this season, but I was like, there's no need to. Again, like our games is no way. No, there's no fans here to see them, so I just wait till till I get to the league and bust them out soon. Yeah, yeah. So when you play the Packers next year, you gotta bust them out and say, "I'm not the, oh, I'm yeah. not the only one." Yeah. Hopefully, <laughs> hopefully, hopefully by that by that time, I'm you know I'm lined up against them and yeah, and yeah. I, I got them on my feet. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so that leads to my next question, though. Where do you see yourself for the year? Um. Like, like, what do you, what do you mean? Uh, just like, uh, uh, maybe five years. Five, five years might be a better question. Just like, what do you think the future has for you? I guess it's a better way to put it. In five, in five years, I, hopefully, I, I didn't made it to five Pro Bowls, and <laughs> in that time frame, won the Super Bowl. So that's that's what my mindset is at. And in the long run, my goal is to uh, to get the gold jacket. So that's that's what I'm aiming for. You know, you gotta shoot for the stars. Sure, sure. All right, um, all right. So, so here, this is an open-ended question. You can take it however you really want to, but I would say compare yourself to like a a, a rap artist at the moment. And who do you think resembles you? <laughs> I say, I say, I say, a boogie. A boogie. You know, you know, it's funny. You actually put me on to an a boogie song because I saw, I think, on your uh, your, the fleets for Twitter, uh, no, your highlight video. Uh, to the oh, yeah, yeah. Off. Yeah, 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 yeah. I heard that and I was like, "Damn, this Max!" Like, <laughs> I went and downloaded it. <laughs> yeah, a, a, a Boogie's really—he's—he. Only reason I say that is because he's mysterious. Like, you never know what he's gonna do next. Yeah. yeah. With, with me, people don't really know what what I'm gonna do next. I'm always, I'm always, you know, low key, and they just wait and see when it when it happens. For sure. For sure. Well, uh, I appreciate you coming on, uh, Joe. So, thank you. I hope you're in the league. Hope you get the gold jacket in, you know, 15, 20 years. Yeah. Longevity, longevity. Yes, sir. All right, yeah. Thanks for coming on. Hey, thank you for having me. All right, guys. So, that was Trill Williams of Syracuse. Uh, we're hoping he goes high in the draft. So, uh, right now, we're going to transition to a couple questions that you guys tweeted at us. Um, so to start, we have a tweet from at Tom Hardy 80. Will anyone run the triple option at the power five level? All right. Uh, I'll answer this one. Uh, I can't see a team doing it this year, but in, in the future, there could be a team like, uh, you have to be really depleted for talent because it, it mitigates the talent gap in the trenches. So if a team's really lacking offensive linemen or something like that, then I could see you doing it. But right now I don't see it as viable. Or if, like, Army or something moves to the Power 5. That's the only way I could see it. Yeah, I, I don't see it being ran by a uh, successful Power 5 team. I just don't think it gives you the options. I mean, look at the offenses we have spread, West Coast, pro style. I just don't see the triple option taking over for one of those. Yep, I agree. All right, so we'll move on to the next one. We'll, we have another question from 
at CFB underscore hype. Would you, where do you see Iowa State in the Big 12 standing next season? Third. Uh, oh, third. So I, the only reason I'm going to say I think that they will compete the same way they did this year, I think they'll probably end up losing in the championship game, is I think that in watching them play in the Big, uh, Big 12 championship game this year, uh, I thought they were a really complete team. Um, they, did they lose Purdy? No, nah, he stayed. Yeah, he they stayed. They manhandled my ducks, though. I'm not going to lie. But so I, I, that game, I thought, was a really good showing for them. Uh, they It looked like Oklahoma was going to start to run away in the fourth. They came back, made it a one-possession game. Um, I think that Matt Campbell was doing more than a phenomenal job there. Um, the emotion that you can tell the connection he has with the emotion he shows on post-game interviews with these guys. So I think they'll continue to compete for the Big 12 next year. I don't think they'll. Uh, I don't. I don't think they'll miss the championship game. Yeah, uh, I agree. Yeah, I, I see Texas and Oklahoma still as the big dog, the two big dogs. I think the talent gaps are too different. I think Matt Campbell, good coach, but it won't be enough next year. All right, sounds like we're all in agreement. So we're gonna move on another one. Uh, a question from at Mike underscore Madden. Out of the three Big Ten disappointments last season, so he's talking about Minnesota, Penn State, and Michigan, which one is most likely to have a bounce-back year this coming season? All right, so I'll go first. First of all, I thought you were about to read a question from yourself. <laughs> <laughs> but I think Penn State, they added a lot to the transfer portal. Uh, they're not really active. They added John Lovett from uh, Bauer. Normally, they're not active. They added a graduate transfer offensive lineman from Harvard who's really good. So I think they got a lot better in the offseason just of players. And James Franklin's a pretty good in-game coach. He makes He's got one questionable call I could think of in recent years. But other than that, he's pretty good at in-game coaching. So I expect Penn State to bounce back. Uh, from those three... Um... I'm actually going to go Minnesota. I just think playing in the West gives them an upper hand. Uh, playing in the East for either Penn State or Michigan, you know, you're going to have to play Ohio State. You're going to have to play Indiana, who's been really good. And then you're going to have to play either, if you're talking about Penn State, you're going to have to play Michigan. If you're talking about Michigan, you're going to have to play Penn State on that schedule as well. So I think when it comes to that standpoint, looking at schedule, uh, I think Minnesota of those three teams has the best chance of having a real bounce back season next year. Yeah, I agree with Matt. I mean, Minnesota is in that weaker Western Big Ten. Um, and for Michigan, I still don't see a viable quarterback option. They bounced back between two quarterbacks. I forget their names last season. So, and, But Penn State, I'm a homer for them. I'm actually wearing my Penn State sweatshirt as we speak right now. So I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to say them. So I'm going to say uh, Minnesota. So for our last question from yes. at Poppy Chip. Do you see Jackson State having a chance to compete with top-tier programs in future years with Deion Sanders at the helm? All right. So, so here's my thing. Uh, top-tier programs in their conference, their league, maybe. But they're never going to be like a Power 5 team, North Dakota State team. I, I don't think so. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Um, we've talked about it before because we talked about Deion going to Florida State uh, before they hired Norval. I don't think that being a great player translates into being a good coach. Um, we've seen it a lot of times, even in other sports. Like I'm a baseball guy, I've seen it in baseball. But you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if if Dion's success at Jackson State isn't what people are expecting it to be. I mean, it's Jackson State. They're not going to get. I mean, they. I'm pretty sure they got a couple decent recruits. But again, the higher ranked recruits are going to go to those big time programs. Get the um, 
the notice that they're going to get at those top tier programs that you don't get normally at Jackson State. You're gonna you're not gonna well, get I, the eyes on you. I think right now those guys are. I mean, maybe maybe this is just me thinking this, but I think those guys right now are probably just committing to Deion Sanders and not Jackson State. Exactly. And in three I years, agree. it's not going to be the same story if Deion Sanders doesn't have success. If he has success, then it's a different yeah. story. But if Deion Good Sanders point. is a mediocre coach, you're not going to commit to a mediocre coach at an FCS level if you're a FBS Power 5 talent. So that pretty much wraps it, us, uh, wraps it up here for us today. Um, we're going to go back to our normal off-season schedule that we had you know, two years ago, I guess it was this point. Uh, we're going to go bi-weekly, and then as the schedules continue to get released, uh, we're going to do our conference previews. I know the ACC is coming out soon. Uh, I believe the SEC is coming out shortly after that. So we will have automatic built-in material for us to get out to you guys to keep on tuning in. Uh, so thank you guys for listening back in. Thank you for staying along with us through this really hard time. And uh, everyone stay safe and talk to you all soon.